0: On this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock, Google announced a new version of Analytics
1: 360, and it's perfect GA for anyone already using it. Microsoft Advertising is taking another page from Google Ads book, and this time they're not even giving us a fake reason for it.
2: And we had a temporary career change here in the studio to cover AdSense's new auction type. And congrats on the purchase, Caleb.
1: (laughs) All on today's show.
2: You know what time it is.
3: It's officially Marketing O'Clock. We bring you all the digital marketing news of the week powered by the digital marketing community. If you want to join the conversation, hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere and you can join our community on Discord at community.marketingoclock.com. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios in beautiful Buffalo, New York to bring you our famous Friday news show. You can subscribe to our show at youtube.marketingoclock.com or wherever you consume your podcast. Head over to marketingaclockcom slash newsletter to receive every article we cover straight to your inbox.
1: Hey there, I'm Christine Zirnhild. AKA Shep. I'm Jess Bud, And I'm
2: Greg Finn.
0: And
1: it is officially Marketing O'Clock here on October 15th, 2021. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another fabulous show. Greg, what is new in your world?
4: Well,
2: I have two twins, like a duo, right? Oh, you
1: do? Yes, I do. I didn't know you had kids. And
2: they're they're usually really wholesome and usually say things that like are not overly offensive. And I, for the first time, was offended by something that my boy said um, so much. I'm thinking about going mono here, yeah. right? So we're talking about the best quarterbacks in the NFL.
1: Oh, I'm checked out. And so we started going <laughs> through, in. we're like
2: Tom Brady, um, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, because he's a Bills fan, Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson, and my boy says, Sam Darnold.
3: Wow. <laughs> Why'd you look I at say, me? Where did, that, room? where did that come
2: from? <laughs> like, what? I why, don't what know. Put that in his I don't know. I mean, it's not even Halloween. There's no ghosts to be seen. I don't know what he's doing out there. But he said, Sam Darnold. And I had to look at him. I'm like, what do I do now?
3: That is actually absurd. absurd. Like I wanna know how he got to that point.
1: Who is Sam Darnold? <laughs> he's, he's, he's a not. twenty-four year old um, Samuel Richard Darnold is an American football quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Is he good?
5: Uh, Here's he's, one of the best <laughs> no, <laughs> he's not. than Greg and
1: Caleb. Anyway, I know <laughs> I have a Rex duo. Boys. I
2: have a mono, so that's it. What wow. about you?
0: Um Jess, what's new with you? I'm proud of my son this week, Um, took (laughs) (laughs) took him to to get some blood work yesterday, and he is like a bad hecking guy, right? There's two nurses holding his little arm out for nothing. They stick the needle in. I can't even watch when they do my own blood. I'm not like, I just can't see it. I don't get queasy or anything, but I can't look at it. He's sitting there. It goes in. He's on my lap. He does not flinch. He doesn't peep. He doesn't move, and he looks at it the whole time and he's just watching his blood flow out and then it's over because I'm gonna pass out I know I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> but
1: then it's over and he looks at the nurse and he goes thank you oh thank you
0: for hurting me right mm-hmm. and I was just so proud wow. of him but then like the night before the thing of tomatoes fell out of the fridge and the cherry tomatoes rolled everywhere and he lost his mind like he was crying He's like the yellow I, like lost it so I don't know what his tolerance is but I was really proud
1: of him with the blood Wow, well, I'm surprised you're queasy as like a queen of all things yeah <laughs> Yeah. bad only with myself i was watching him
0: i felt like i needed to be aware in the moment and that was fine
1: okay so. well while i have you here jess i just wanted an explanation on something that we saw today if you want to look at the notes real quick um we're all just like prepping for the show
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: just made I, I think this is a meme i was gonna comment on it it's
2: just makes memes that only she understands i know it's like rob zombie and i'm assuming there's a uh That's Rob Zombie, right?
1: Robert, Mr. Zombie, (laughs) Bob Zombie, standing in front of like a blue and pink swirl. And it says, What's with your color? It's green. green. Oh, sorry. Green and pink swirl. We have something about colorblindness coming up. Stay tuned. And he looks just like really not good. He's got a, a hunting camo cowboy hat on, long beard, and it says, I feel so numb. And in parentheses, it says bees. So I feel so numbies.
2: And Jess puts it out, like, thinking she's, like, hot, hot out here. Yeah. <laughs>
1: just- she put it Slack. Nobody responded.
2: This is no I forgot did. that I did that
1: because nobody engaged. I just moved
2: on. It is the worst meme <laughs> ever. Not very dank, Jess. First
0: of, all, first of all, all I did was add text. That image of him in front of that swirl I found on the internet. I didn't make that. You
2: like- oh, must look real hard <laughs> for that one. It's <laughs> like, the first result.
0: But... I Feel So Numb is like one of his top hits. And then Greg mentioned Numbies.
1: (laughs) Get it? We were talking about Numbies last week on the show. You guys are going to have to watch YouTube to see this beautiful, beautiful meme. But that was the highlight of my day today. So thank you. (laughs) And don't forget, everybody, the agency scoop for this month is up with our CGO. Jill Fetcher. You can find that wherever you are listening or watching this podcast. And she's joined by Amalia Fowler this month, power listener of the show. And they're talking about all things managing and trading. It's a great episode, so check it out. And getting into the news this week, Microsoft Ads released their monthly product updates this week. And the most noteworthy change from my perspective is that they will be depreciating ETAs making RSAs the only match type. So here's their quote from the article. It says, to help elevate advertisers ROI with the power of our automation and create a simplified cross-platform experience, we've decided to align to Google's newly announced changes.
2: Did they have an ETA on that?
1: (laughs) Estimated time of arrival. (laughs) I never thought about that. Did Why no? didn't we make that, sho- that joke the last time this news dropped? <laughs> we could use it for the title. <laughs> yeah, write that down. Instead of Microsoft ads, new features. <laughs> I know, that's always like our last resort. <laughs> um, so anyway, starting June 30th, 2022, RSAs will be the only search ad type that can be created or edited in standard search campaigns. Existing extended text ads will still serve, but they won't be able to be edited or added. With this announcement, they also said that ad customizers will be coming to RSAs in early 2022, so that is good news. I feel like this is a big difference here for Microsoft. We have heard a lot of these announcements. It's always in line with what is Goog- what Google's doing. This is the first time I think they've actually said in line with what Google's doing, Yeah, right? I think you're right. I feel like they're learning, like, don't blame us. Google <laughs> did it. We're just taking a page from their book. Making it easier for you.
2: I appreciate the directness.
1: I do, too. I wish the rest of the fluff wasn't in there. (laughs) Hey, we're trying to make it easier to import. Bless you. RSAs only. So I think that's interesting. And I would do the same thing because they're not the ones who made the decision. Google is. People are going to be mad about this. So I just think everyone needs to be cautious with this. I feel like a lot of people don't work in Microsoft all the time. And then they'll be in there for one client. I know I've been surprised by how bad the keyword matching is compared to Google Ads. So who knows how their automation is in other areas. And I would just pin, 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 pin. Um, so they made some other announcements in this article. The Microsoft Audience Network is expanding to 18 new markets. They have new reporting for view-through conversions, including metrics in reports for view-through conversion rate, CPA, revenue, and ROAS. They have feed improvements for Microsoft Audience Network campaigns for easier filtering. They are introducing CPM pricing to standalone audience campaigns (laughs) for all you impression lovers go crazy. Um, They added more in market audiences and made them available in more markets, meaning countries. That's a little confusing to read. They also have three new auto-generated remarketing lists that will be standard when you set up an account. This is something that Google does, but Microsoft hasn't in the past. So they're going to have audiences already set up for you for all site visitors, all converters, and a smart remarketing list, which a list is a list of users likely to convert powered by their audience intelligence and designed to deliver a higher conversion rate. That is not remarketing. Yeah, is it
0: like a <laughs> whittled down list of your users? Or they're just making a list that's a lookalike, essentially. This is
1: what the sentence said. So I read that as it's not a remarketing list. I read it how you read it. I'm just using the list to power this other list. You don't need
2: audience intelligence to just market to the people that have been on the site.
1: So I would not add that to your campaign and call it remarketing. Just a little tip. But test it out. Yeah, test it out. Absolutely. Just don't call it remarketing, please. Call it a smart list. Done. (laughs) they're also introducing new competitive insights at the multi-level account at the multi-account level and a partridge in a pear tree it's always just crazy at the beginning of the month they drop everything on us at once and here we are reporting on it we're gonna have to find another episode name so if you have ideas oh by the time they hear this we'll have one That's a good point maybe i'll ask twitter we're always so desperate with microsoft greg what's what's your news this week
2: Well, next up, we have an article that was written from Google's horrific GPT-3 PR team. And here is the first sentence from the article. Right. And this is about a feature change. Creating great content takes time, but earning money from it shouldn't. That's why we built AdSense.
1: It shouldn't take time to earn money.
2: It's about a change to the way that the bidding is. I know what AdSense is. You're on the AdSense blog. People don't just stumble upon it and be like, oh, look, hey, the AdSense blog. I need to know what it is.
1: It's every single article. Every article. I mean, God. They've been a long time ago.
2: They're basically moving from a second price auction to a first price auction. I'll explain what that is here quick and why it matters to you. But um, if you don't know what the difference between a first And second price auction is there's really not anything to compare it to, but I'm going to try. Okay. So they're moving to what they had was a second price auction. So let's say um, I am a realtor selling a house. A, you should know how to check for a real realtor or a fake one. A real realtor has two things. Every realtor has them. They have a realtor, all caps somewhere. And they say realtor every single sentence you talk to them. And an uh, image of themselves on their business card. Yeah. That's yeah. how you know a realtor. True. Right? So, I'm the realtor. I'm selling a house. Okay? And a second price auction, the winner gets one cent above the second highest bid. So, Shep, you're bidding on the house. You bid $50,000. Jess? What a steal. You bid $100,000. And Caleb, you bid $1 million. Oh, I'm just, yeah. Absolutely, the winner realistic. is Caleb with one hundred thousand dollars and one cent. Cause you get this one cent more than the second highest bidder. Makes sense. Okay. Right? But when you do first bidding, um this is where every bidder needs to bid their true value. So it makes way more sense. And it's one of the shadier things about the underground is the second um second price bidding. So first price bidding, Shep, you bid 50 K. Jess, you bid one hundred K. Caleb, you bid one million, right? Yep. Caleb, you're paying one million
3: I don't want to do that? Hand
2: it over. Then you I have a realtor that. card. <laughs> yeah. All caps, realtor,
3: Caleb. Do you have a, a card I can see with your name on it and your picture?
2: Yes, and my face. It's like an ID. <laughs> see, I, I, I know. Like, do realtors really like steal other realtors' cards that you have to have your pictures everywhere? Crazy. If
0: you're going to let someone in your house, you want to see their face ahead of
2: time. Anyway, um, this is going to be a good change, I think. It is coming, they said, I believe, at the end of the year. Um, so if you do do a lot of display, you may see um, some minor changes at the end of the year. Um, so watch the or read the Adsense blog and just skip the whole first you know paragraph or listen to the show. we'll tell you what happens. Um, and there's no need to do anything. It is just a change happening on the Adsense side. What do you got, Jess?
0: All right. So, last year in the main news, Google announced a new version of Analytics 360, which is built on GA4. And it's to, quote, address the measurement needs of large advertisers and agencies with more customizations, increased scale, and enterprise level support, end quote. So, the big things with this are the ability to create product line sub properties. And those sub properties will have customized settings. And you can then link those sub properties to the specific Google Ads and Google Marketing Platform accounts associated with the efforts for those products specifically. So this is really handy for advertisers that have teams in say different countries and they use different ad accounts. You can associate those different ad accounts with the different sub properties. Pretty cool. Segmenting data is obviously important. So that's really cool, but it's also important to see, or to have the ability at least to get higher level insights as well. So with the new 360, you'll also be able to create dedicated roll up properties across multiple product lines. So You can see that higher level view, even though you've segmented. Very cool. The new version will also have custom user roles so you can provide more specific control over the data and access that you share with specific teams internally or partners and vendors that you use. They're upping the limits on custom dimensions. You can now have up to 125, you can have up to 400 audiences and up to 50 different conversion types. And Google did say that in addition to those higher limits, you will also get continuous intraday data via Analytics 360's interface and the API. Data usually appears within an hour after collection so you can make faster, near real-time decisions during crucial periods for your business. Intraday. Intraday, yeah. I didn't even know that was a word. Me neither, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cool, it's good. It's just in time for the holidays and Black Friday. (laughs) So this new version of Analytics 360 is now open already. It's an open beta for existing clients and the Google article about this has a link with upgrade instructions. So you can grab that if you're one of those people that's, enough to have 360 i've never gotten to play in it i don't know if you guys have
2: yep we have a few accounts on it is it worth it no <laughs> it's not, it's an exorbitant <laughs> fee and it's not sampled data but it's not in my opinion it's not worth it
0: well if you're already paying for it you can get these cool new features all you have to do is upgrade so get excited if that's you
3: now it's time for this week's take of the week This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up just for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the
2: call. All right. And this week's take of the week comes from Rand Fishkin at Rand Fish on Twitter. And there is a tweet that he had out that said, what if performance advertising is just a scam? And I think the name of the title of the article got changed, or it at least says it's an analytics scam. But the tweet says scam, so I'm going with that. Can't if you don't,
0: edit a tweet? You edit. cannot.
2: <laughs> um, and I don't know for sure if it was edited. I just thought at one point it said scam. Maybe I just read the tweet. Um, And I'm just going to read the definition of performance marketing because that's what it's referenced to many times in the article, even though obviously advertising is the paid media.
1: And if you're not watching, um, this might be the first take of the week where Greg has come prepared with hard copy notes. I got the documents. Usually those are just for shooting the heck.
2: I know. There's so (laughs) much to unpack. And then we took, we've got a lot of folks chiming in. People are fired up about this Mm -hmm. take. So anyway, I'm just reading from the Performance Marketing Association what performance marketing is, and it is a comprehensive term that refers to online marketing and advertising programs in which advertisers and marketing companies are paid when a specific action is completed, such as a sale, lead, or a click. So everyone makes sense, and then this is about the advertising side of it, not criticizing the marketing side. And so first up, um, I would be remiss if I don't talk about Augustin Fu who is one of the leading, I'd say, forensic uh, folks on ad fraud. And he chimed in and responded. So before I talk about Rand's take, I'm just going to read. And and before we even do this, I'm going to talk about biases quick. Mm -hmm. right? I work at a company that is performance marketing and performance advertising. That's mainly what I do. So I have bias. I don't know if Dr. Augustin uh, Fu does, but he has an analytics platform where he looks to uncover ad fraud. So that's what he does. And then RAND works on what I believe is Spark Toro. It's a tool that does not have anything to do with advertising. It's about finding sort of your tribe and finding people, influencers in a space. So his is geared towards more non-advertising or at least non-traditional performance advertising. Maybe it's influencer marketing or influencer advertising if you're paying them. Does that make sense? Anything?
1: Yes. Incorrect? I'm with you so far.
2: Okay. So... Dr. Fu um, had responded and just to start, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read what he said. He said, I agree with Ranfish. And he links over to how fraudsters cheat by tricking the reporting to look awesome, which I agree with. And then he says, the algos are optimizing for Google and Facebook's profitability, not for the marketer's business outcomes. As long as marketers remain fixated on large quantities of ads, low CPM prices, and high click rates, they continue to voluntarily be ripped off by ad tech companies agreed on all of that I don't think anybody can disagree with that right okay and in the article Rand covers a few different things brand search social um, ads uh, and when I say brand search I mean brand search ads right and also ad fraud and I just want to say I'm gonna take ad fraud out of this right there's ad fraud that happens and if you're somebody that's only looking at CPM only looking at click-through rate and you're buying ads on that scale you're, that is that is a problem, right? And I don't I don't really think CPM based mar- CPM is a tool of a performance marketer in my mind. I think you're paying for the clicks. You're paying going towards conversions. Generally, CPMS make it hard when you're buying that.
1: But if you want it, it's on Bing.
2: Yes, it is now. Thank you, Chef <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to break this article down. It might go a little bit long. Feel free to skip through if you don't care. But he starts off with the Airbnb example, where in 2020 Airbnb cut 500. 500- and $42 million in $42 of performance advertising spend, it's on no measurable falloff in attributable sales. This is the thing we hear a lot. And Airbnb is a little bit different. They are a, a name like Xerox and Kleenex. And they got there, and I would imagine performance advertising helped them get there. And I don't like this example. I'm not even going to you know, reference it. He had a good example about a pizza store and handing out flyers from red. one flyer was red one was white and one is green and all the greens were like actually converting so they went out to go look at the stop and the green person was standing outside the door handing it to people coming in and i thought that's a great example for the retargeting side of things which is clearly one small portion of performance advertising um and so that one thing he said too he said some are convinced that's exactly how a majority of so-called performance advertising channels work that the lesson is simple. Advertise to those already primed to buy and you'll see a phenomenal return on advertising investment without any sales lift. That is not what I think of when you think of performance advertising. That's what I think of when you think of remarketing mm-hmm. or brand search. And I think that's a clear distinction in my mind. Is like, yeah, if you're going out and you're buying something to do with a certain piece of software that is unbranded, that has nothing to... There's no there's no intent to buy from that company. So I would agree with him that, yeah, remarketing and brand search falls in that bucket, but everything else doesn't fall into that bucket, right? Um, and I think that's one um, one issue. Another thing he talked about was seeing a notebook that he had visited the site for and then got an ad for. And he was saying, well, it was already on my mind anyway. Should Facebook really get credit for this? And I, I get it, yeah. You, you should look at the metrics that matter to you and how you find folks. Just because Facebook is saying that you it drove a click that then turned into conversion, you should take that with a grain of salt. You should look at your analytics package. Yeah. Come up with an attribution model that matches your audience. Maybe you're looking at it and waiting 70% first. I just did this huge analysis and forecasting. and I was looking at 70% first click, 20% middle clicks, and 10% for that last click. Should that attribution for that ad that brought him back and sold the book be worth 10%? I, I don't know. I don't know what that answer is, right? But but yeah, it shouldn't take credit for the whole thing. I totally agree with him. And I think the intent of this article is really good. And then it kind of goes goes awry in a few other spots. So one other thing I wanted to read from the article was he said, determining whose ads to show and where has been the pursuit of a generation's best educated, best page knowledge workers for two decades So color me completely unsurprised that Google and Facebook can tell you with absolute certainty that 72% of people who purchased on your website saw the ads you ran on their networks 3.37x times before conversion. The trouble is whether those 3.37 views actually modified the purchase behavior of that 72%. Seen? Yes. Modified behavior? Hmm. If Facebook and Google were really that effective at modifying behavior wouldn't we all be QAnon cultists by now? And I kind of lost it at that point there. But um, could could it impact behavior? If you click on it, I would say this impacting behavior. Should count as 100%? No, no, you've been on the site. And again, I think that's where he's going with it. I don't really get the example, or at least the QAnon part. Hmm. Um, Okay, and then another thing that he stated was, here we come, the second half of performance advertising pitch. Those perfectly timed, perfectly targeted ads will influence more people to buy your product than it would have without them. And I, he still appears to be talking about remarketing, which is a slice of the performance marketing pie. And he says, on this part, I don't believe the ad networks. And when it comes to remarketing, there's different kinds of remarketing, right? It's not just the same product over and over. You might say somebody downloaded a top of funnel content asset that you had but didn't sign up for a demo maybe you're then saying hey book your demo you're bringing them back something of that nature that's remarketing that's retargeting and that is very specific so I just I don't like these generalities and lumping everything together and I don't like taking remarketing and considering it all of performance advertising I think that's unfair and then he says here lies the scam I'm not saying no one buys because of retargeting retargeting display branded search ad I'm saying Somewhere between 60 and 99 percent of the people exposed to those ads would have purchased anyway, and this doesn't have any any. Yeah, how did he get that number? Where, yeah. Yeah. I have no clue. I, there's no. <laughs> everything is linked to here. We're gonna get some of the links. There's no link here, so I think this is just saying that what he's saying is that 60 to 99 percent of people would have bought it anyway, which
0: because he thinks so. That's a. That's,
2: that's a what customer. I read from it. I don't know. So. And then he goes on to say the ad platforms know this. Many of the ad buyers even know this, but because the platforms have no incentive to make incrementality, incrementality, incrementality clear. <laughs> <laughs> ad buyers look at their analytics and think, I should spend more on performance marketing. No good ad buyer does that. No. Those are bad ad buyers. That say, nobody's gonna be like, oh, we need more remarketing. Like, no. If you have a brain in your head, you know that you only have a finite number of people that are on your site to remarket to. They don't just appear every day. You can't just raise that budget. Like that's that's, that's where I think I think he's too tied up into some of the some of the remarketing side of things. Anyway, I'm gonna keep running through here, and we're gonna hear from Sam Tomlinson on a take from the line call that marketing clock. If you ever want your own take, take it away, Sam.
5: Sam's article gets some things right and some things really wrong. And probably confused. What he gets right is starting a conversation about advertising efficacy and incrementality, about you know, understanding what's actually contributing, and probably a little bit about how platforms have misaligned incentives to advertisers. What he gets wrong, and I think the critical part of this is understanding time horizons, impact, and the other contributing factors and confounding factors that really drive the results of advertising. Is all advertising effective? No. I don't think anybody's ever claimed that. Is performance advertising a scam? No. That's also ridiculous. I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle and it depends on your brand and you know your goals to determine if it works for you. So what do I mean by your brand and your goals? Performance advertising likely works better for smaller brands, for D2C brands, for upstarts, for groups that don't have a robust user base. For a large brand like Airbnb, probably doesn't have a super large impact and especially is not gonna have a super large impact if you stop it today. Like Airbnb is a verb. They don't need performance advertising. Although maybe it might be helpful to prevent them from going the way of eBay who was once upon a time the 9,000 pound gorilla and has since gone on a massive uh, diet and now is like a little chimpanzee that no one cares about because they got left behind. So is performance advertising a scam? Eh, probably not. Is it perfect? Definitely not. Do we need to get better at measurement? Absolutely. Is incrementality a conversation we should be having? Great. But seems a little disingenuous to say it is a scam.
2: All right, and that's a good point. And then I'm going to jump back over to Rand's article here where he says, in the last few years, we've seen hundreds of stories about cutting off millions in ad spend with no discernible business impact. I haven't heard hundreds of stories.
0: <laughs> I've heard like two.
2: And I'm like, oh, cool. He's got links for all these. There's links to search ads, retargeting, programmatic. And I'm like, oh, this... Are they all
1: Airbnb? <laughs>
2: no, I was actually <laughs> curious to, to like see what this is. So I clicked on... Um, I clicked on the Reddit one here that he said Reddit ads underscore because I like look I, I don't think many people click these ads. This is from PPC Reddit. Look like, what are you me? This is literally what he links <laughs> That's to. That's the source. There's a one upvote on this, and it says opinion. <laughs> A lot of people <laughs> waste a lot of money on retargeting. Wonderful. That's one <laughs> So I'm like, it can't be this bad. Again, there were a couple about, it seemed like an agency didn't know how to use Google ads, to be honest, and got a little bit burned and they kind of said it. And that was the Google ads one. And I'm going to read what they, he linked into from LinkedIn ads. And this is from Mardan uh, Cur- Curlani. And he said, this is the conclusion. He says, in a nutshell, After spending $100 on each LinkedIn and Facebook for same duration, what I can conclude is Facebook had given me 100 leads, whereas LinkedIn had given 60 leads. However, only one converted only two out of 100 for Facebook and three out of 60 for LinkedIn.
1: What are How is numbers? that even possible? How did I know you could only spend a...
2: That sounds good to me. Like you got that many leads yeah.
0: at $100? I don't believe You can't even that. get that many clicks for $100 on leads. So anyway, <laughs> I look at this
2: and I don't know. I Maybe there are hundreds of stories. I've not seen the hundreds of stories he's seen. Maybe he has better vision than, than me though, to be fair. All right. And then he goes on to talk about the benefits of performance advertising. Undeniably beautiful attribution. And this is a phenomenal point. It is easy to put money where you can see it come back. And um, he goes on to say, ads are easy to execute. They're even easier to scale. Other growth growth marketing investments, not so much. I would argue that good ads aren't that easy to build and to scale are not that easy. Um, Again, if you're just looking at last touch and retargeting, yeah, 100%. That is not performance advertising, just to to get that going. All right. And another thing that Sam said is um, misaligned, I think, about the ad platforms Um, And and Rand says, the platforms have immense incentive to deliver numbers proving their delivery of your ad was key to any and every conversion or visit for which they can possibly take credit. Uh, And again, Sam said misaligned. I think that's what they have to do. If you are buying a Facebook ad and you get a click from Facebook and Facebook sees that that pixel was fired on a conversion... Facebook can't see other advertisers. That's on you to have an analytics person and be like, hey, look at the analytics. What is Facebook saying? They got a conversion. What does that mean for the full customer journey? If you're sitting there and like, oh, like everything came from Facebook because they're saying it. No, Facebook doesn't talk to Google. Google's going to report what it can see. Facebook's going to report what it can see. LinkedIn's going to report what it can see. All Altogether, those are going to be more than your actual numbers because they don't talk to each other. You need an analytics platform to do that. And then it's on you to say, oh, you know what? Facebook's actually worth worth this amount. And so instead of saying, I'm going to try to get that CPA of 100, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get it for $10 or something like that. So again... They're, they don't have access to other people's data. And if they see a click come through that platform, it's they can't see anybody else out there. So they can't see Google search data. Google doesn't share that with Facebook. So Facebook has to do that. And I understand it's not perfect, but that's on you to be a good marketer, hire a good company, a good agency to do it.
0: I would clap for you, but I don't know that that would translate. It okay. Really good audio. <laughs> All right, and then,
2: <laughs> and then he says those same platforms have equally immense incentives to squelch any organic channel data, hence Facebook, Google, and the rest hiding referral strings, organic keywords that send traffic, and putting loads on what could have and should have attribution to the dark social buckets. I'd say again, some some things like Facebook literally can't see. Google, 100. You look at the the attribution models when you do it; they have one like last Google Ads click. Like, you're putting that in there to make Google ads look better. I 100% agree on that. All right. And then he says, now let me make the case for turning off ads entirely to get data on the incrementality of marketing. And he says, one of the things is, you might lose out to the competition, quote, or parentheses, not likely, but possible, end parentheses. And I would just say that is something that's very dangerous. There's nobody in the world that hates branded search more than I, I do. I hate, the fact that Google lets people bid on your brand. Google should not allow it. It should be back like 2007 when they frowned upon it. You couldn't do it unless you're on Microsoft. And that should be the way it is. But it's not. Your competitors can come and eat your dinner and eat your lunch. And that's because Google wants more money. There's no other way around it. And so should you turn off your branded search? No, don't do that. I know that you should report on it differently. You should look at that as, as a different, um, one is prospecting and one is like, you know, sustaining. And that could be like, hey, it's branding, it's remarketing, it's people already know us. It's our current client clientele and others new business. Go go do that, but don't turn off your ads completely. Like think through it and look at what, what does the best for you. And if somebody's bidding on your name, unfortunately, that's the rules. That's reality on reality's terms. And There's nothing I can do about that. All right. And then PPC Kirk called in at PPC Kirk on Twitter.
6: Here you go. Hey, PPC Kirk here. So overall, I think this was a great article. I think that the premise of the article stands and that is that we need to identify incrementality in our advertising. So we're not just chucking money at the wall. We want our marketing to be as beneficial as possible. I agree with the premise of the article. That being said, I think there were two significant Issues with the article that that actually uh, weaken Rand's premise. So the first being, I think that Rand too often conflated remarketing with performance marketing. So he would use the word, he would use the phrase performance marketing, but a lot of times he's talking about these ads that kind of reappear and reappear and reappear, which is which is a specific segment of performance marketing remarketing. Which yes, we definitely need to talk about and think about that. That's that's completely separate from the overall. Uh, way that paid media is used in performance marketing. All right, and then the second core issue that I had with the article, although overall I thought the premise of the article was good, the second core issue I had was I don't think RAND is allowing for incrementality in purchase intention in a consumer buying journey. And what I mean by that is like until the money's in the bank, then it doesn't really matter how much intention that person has, right? So, So RAND kind of completely Um, wipes away benefit of performance marketing by saying, well, the person was already going to purchase, but the person hadn't purchased yet. And so I think it's unfair to claim an ad has full attribution when it is the one that, that, you know, leads to a sale. But I think it's also unfair to claim it has no attribution, right? Because there is some compounding thing that helps lead people over time to uh, bring just the right thing in front of someone that causes them to buy, and and I think that's an important part of marketing.
2: Exactly, and I think I think that's f- that's a fair take, right? Like that's a fair take. So um, another example that Rand has later on in the article is about William Sonoma uh, cast iron skillet, and just of note, like I, I I'm agree. I don't like shopping ads for your brand stuff, but if other competitors come up, you kind of have to do it. And you know this example, yeah. Take out William Sonoma, block that and block branded and really just report on them differently. And I think it'll be eye opening as to how you actually drive uh, real sales. And then he goes on to talk about an Exasol ad for BI performance dashboard and how it loses nothing if I ever purchase a subscription to this display ad he saw. And he says, technically, it's still a brand impression. The brand marketers can say 4,219 tech CEOs saw our ads and we're gaining mind share. That's not performance marketing. <laughs> Right? (laughs) Then he says, but if I ever do convert, having this ad somewhere in my browsing history also makes their performance marketing team look like geniuses. Again, if you're looking at the wrong attribution models, then yeah, an attribution is hard. But you if it's a longer conversion process, like you should look at where people first found you in that case. Anyway, he goes on to say: most marketers I know believe that a majority of performance marketing, especially in areas like branded search. Social and retargeting deliver only a small amount of incrementality and cost an awful lot. How do you throw social in with retargeting
1: and branding? You're saying like
2: if I go out there and I put a content offer on LinkedIn and I get somebody to learn about something, that is the same as retargeting or branded? This is where like it starts falling apart in my mind. Mm -hmm. Again, I think the intent of this article is 10 out of 10. You should look at what matters. You should not just focus on the very last touch and you should consider other stuff that's harder. I 100% agree with that. And then he says, getting clients, teams, and managers who happily spend on low ROI ads to switch to potentially high ROI but hard to measure channels like content, PR, email, organic search, organic social, influence marketing, et cetera, is like pulling teeth. I don't think it's ever hard to switch somebody from low ROI. Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> be like, hey, we've got this stuff that doesn't work well and we wanna do something else. Like, let's do that. And then, is it hard to measure email and organic search and social media? Like, that seems easy to measure, right? Like, PR, that's hard. That's yeah. Hard. And it, like, I would also argue that's not high ROI. Nobody's ever been like, hey, high ROI, PR. <laughs> like, that's like an oxymoron. Um, anyway. There's a whole lot more to it. And I'm going to finish up here. He says, My contention is that most marketers and brands could benefit from similarly risky experimental bets on hard-to-track, hard-to-execute organic marketing investments. Most could, with a disciplined, willing-to-fail approach, redirect two-thirds or more of their digital ad spend and over time win bigger boosts to demand with lower costs. I don't know where these these stats come from, but I I would agree with him that many fantastic ideas get shut down because they're too much of a moonshot or because they can't be proven out. And if you read anything from this article, don't take away the fact that performance advertising is evil or bad or ineffective or anything like that. Take 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 these nuggets away from it to try and test new things here. And I'm also going to kick it over to Sam. Again, he's got a little rant here. Uh, take it away, Sam.
5: The other point I'm going to make about Rant's article is I think he misses a critical piece that is... Marketers who do things like PR and SEO and even influencers to some extent have themselves in part to blame for this conversation because they have failed for decades to adapt to a reality in which C-suite executives are demanding financial accountability for investments. Performance marketers, correctly, incorrectly, somewhat loosely, whatever, have adapted to that reality. HR has adapted to that reality, product has adapted to that reality, and they translate what they're doing into dollars and cents outcomes. PR people are like, we got you coverage. Big deal. Who cares? What did it do? So if you want to make the claim that these things are more valuable, you need to invest in the tools and the methods to demonstrate that value. And if you can't quantify that value in dollars and cents, then don't go crying when your budget gets cut. That's how this works.
2: All right. And thank you, Sam. We've got one more caller here weighing in on the topic here. There, there's,
1: I know. We don't get we a voicemail get for six months. <laughs> and we got All three. at once, right? But this is what it takes is like a hot take like this, yes. you know?
2: And we're going to hear from fan favorite Azeem. So take it away, Azeem, from the Azeem Digital Ass Podcast.
4: Hello, it's Azeem. A couple of points I want to make on this super quick. I think it's great. The examples of Airbnb that has used a lot about turning off ads and not seeing any change. Because they're Airbnb, I've seen very little or few stories about SMBs turning off paid advertising and seeing similar results. When I see more stories like that, I'm more likely to believe it. I think overall, Rand makes a couple of good points. I think the point about attribution has always been a problem. For marketers but the pandemic has forced that lower down in people's priorities as sort of budgets are cut and priorities are shifted but most importantly i think the big thing here to focus on is podcast advertising Trail that uh, sad that it wasn't mentioned but if you think about this 70 percent of people who are super listeners of podcasts consider a new product or service based on ads they hear test it test it test it
2: that is great advice Spend more on podcasts, advertise away. And if you're looking, you got a little couple extra bucks you're looking to spend. I know a great one. You can see all about it over on com.
3: Now it's time for this week's ICYMI. Why Am I? This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't
0: have.
1: ICYMI, Why Am I, people. We have a blog post here from PPC Kirk. Ever heard of him? at PPC Kirk on Twitter. It is on the Zato marketing blog, and this is about running a title test in Google Shopping. So I see why am I again? Google Ads makes it really hard to test some things, and this is just one of them. You basically have to hack the system, and PPC Kirk has a few options for how you can do that including changing the title for some product variants and leaving the other ones as the control, doing this across multiple multiple products or testing titles in a set of products and using the other set of products as a control. Obviously, none of these options are perfect. So he tells you, how you what you need to consider when determining a winner and a loser and why it gets a whole lot messier when you're using smart shopping. So head over to the Zato marketing blog if you want to learn more about that. Thank you so much, Kirk.
3: Now it's time for this week's pew, pew, lightning round. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social.
1: First up in the paid universe this week from BFF of the show, Andrea Cruz at Andrea cruz 92 on Twitter. She has a screenshot that is captioned, first time I've seen the site link, this site link layout on mobile. new, She's asking PPC chat if this is new to everyone. Definitely new to me. It is an ad for Moxio, and the site link extensions are stacked instead of like two and two. It takes up a whole lot of screen real estate, like the <laughs> wh- a whole screen. Yeah.
2: I, everything above the fold is one ad.
1: Because this is on mobile. So everything above the fold is that one ad. Um, and then Barry Schwartz has an article about this because it appears to be a test across organic and paid. It kind of looks like a bug to me, but nobody else is saying it's a bug, so I guess not. These are bo- and both that organic and paid example are branded results. But if something isn't branded, like you need to be pretty confident that this first result is a good one yeah, if you're going to do say. this. So, he has one for Tesla and it has um it this is organic, as I said. Tesla and then it has all the models listed out as site links and then about Tesla and careers. And it's literally like I don't know if this is everything above the fold on desktop, but it's a lot. It takes mm-hmm. up a lot of screen real estate and just makes me think about how confusing the Tesla names are. Like, why do they go from model three to S to Y to Z? no there's nosy there's x like <laughs> like elon musk's baby i was just gonna say
2: this is yeah it's a code his child. It's I his next like child. the
1: same person naming the cars is like who named the baby oh i guess it
0: is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Elon,
2: is <laughs> e. mr musk his name you.
1: is e right i just think that's really <laughs>
0: confusing
2: yeah. but i think this is like game over for team pay well for team for, for game it's game. great for team paid yeah if you can pull these extensions out especially if somebody's bidding on your name Again, like we just said, it is the price of doing business on Google ads and in Google in general. And if you can help knock those folks out, that's pretty awesome.
1: Right. And for organic, I hope they would only do it for branded results. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Google announced that certified state-licensed entities in Connecticut can now use Google Ads to advertise for sports betting, or as Greg calls it, investing in sports, right?
2: 100%. I don't bet on the stock market, I invest in sports.
1: (laughs) Online casinos and daily fantasy sports. This went into effect on October seventh, 2021. And you have to apply for certification if you want to be a part of this. Um, Barry has a link in his article about this, which we will have in our newsletter in Discord if you want to apply. I've been feeling really left out lately because like, everyone in our office is betting on sports these days. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, I don't know anything about sports, but I really want to be a part of something, as you guys know.
2: You're actually better off if you don't know anything. You're 100%, 100%. better off. My da- We we do fi- we pick um, the games every week, and my daughter is beating me by one game. <laughs> True story.
1: I don't know about your that your son's not like if he uh, he's a Darnold guy. I know. I, I bet your daughter knows more than I do. So oh, I don't. One hundred
2: percent. It's know not know even close. No. Me. Get out of here. But,
1: but that, I feel like we should start setting a line for like the length of our episodes, and people can bet on. I'm going to take the
2: over on this one. I know.
1: I still don't understand that over under. Well, you want to be under, right? I don't know. No, I win limbo contests all the time, so I want the under. <laughs>
3: shut wants the under I love it
1: oh. <laughs> Okay I'm from David Herman At Herman Digital On Twitter He says Not sure if this is a bug Or not But I presently can't Target under 18 On Facebook I see just Judging my notes
2: Oh my god it looks, You gotta put
0: I I had in
1: to It looks like An unsavory <laughs> It looks like An NSFW I it. just realized that <laughs> Um, I was drawing a target Okay mm-hmm. Because I had to Edit the notes But he has a screenshot from Facebook ads and he's unable to select any age under 18 for targeting purposes. And Rock Ladlink replied on Twitter and said, no more under 18 targeting. It's a new feature from Facebook. This started to roll out in his accounts in September. Basically, as soon as you add any custom audiences to include or exclude or interest, you can only target 18 plus. And then David Herman with the, the response that's just me every day. I hate everything. <laughs> Same. And from Sean Ellie at SLA2134 on Twitter. He has a screenshot from Google Ads and it's um comparing performance of different ads presumably in a campaign and there's a responsive search ad with two conversions and a $38, a $38 CPA. I should report on impressions, actually. 277 impressions and a $38 CPA. Then he has another expanded text ad in here with 10 impressions and a $22 CPA. And he says, thanks for all the impressions to the RSA, Google. You have to pay $30 more per conversion. Also, we have to optimize ad rotation turned on. So you would think ETAs would be getting more impressions. This has been going on forever. RSAs always get more impressions no matter what. People are responding and like defending Google. Like RSAs need more testing. I don't care if you're making ad rotation rotation optimization or rotate indefinitely an option. Like don't lie to me. Especially when RSAs are going to be the only ad type. Don't lie to me. Like just get rid of that feature. Don't make me waste the calories pressing the button. This makes me so mad. I feel you, Sean.
2: Hey, if you want a good bet. To bet on, you should bet uh <laughs> Sam Darnold to win MVP. <laughs> oh, Oh, one hundred percent. I'll
1: d- take sure, you, under you can't on go that. wrong. <laughs> okay, we have a fun tweet here from Mark Irvine. His Twitter his Twitter name is Pumpkin Spice Mark right now, which I love. At Mark Irvine eighty
2: nine. So eighty eight was taken. I
1: know. We <laughs> so he has a screenshot from an email from. It's a Google Partners update. And it says, fully automate, this is Mark's interpretation, fully automate 99% of your clients' accounts and I'll give you most of a toiletries bag. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: And I was, so, I got this, I was so oh. bummed out. There was a scooter in the email. You're never
1: getting the scooter. No way.
2: No, we saved up. We have enough for all the stuff. And we we're, we're going to get the ping pong table with our new office. And they took it away. They took that away. And now you can literally get like a NAS or the toiletries back.
1: Okay. What are we going to do with that? Share it. <laughs> so if you use automation product ads, you get, 900 points, and then this dumb toiletries bag that nobody cares about it's 980 points. Like, <laughs> it's such a joke.
2: Hey, clients,
1: <laughs> you lost all
2: your money. Yeah, I'm what Rand's writing about, part. but you know what? Wait to see my next vacation in 2023,
1: baby. <laughs> it's like, look the, the client should get the toiletries bag? So sad. A uh, client, client's yeah, gonna need it's a new be job. Okay, I, have to, I know we're running over. Think with Google has this beautiful new interactive guide called Demystifying Automation. There are four modules, and it talks you through, like, it's a big sales pitch for automation, right? But it is. It's gorgeous. Beautiful- you should lead
2: with the toiletries back. <laughs> I'm
1: still laughing at poop. I know, but we got to hustle. We talked about Rand for 30 minutes. I'm just going to work through your laughs. <laughs> there's these beautiful animations so there's really calming sound effects of like these cannons for conversion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with you what? What are we- oh, so-
2: <laughs> when I want to relax I listen <laughs> about cases got- but not uh-huh. cases that were closed unsolved mysteries <laughs> and then there's really relaxing stuff
1: like Cannons. We have this amazing design team, Sammy and Jordan. Sammy makes the art for the show. We have a design channel. And I'm gonna put this in there because it's honestly so beautiful. But it's a big sales pitch, right? So I'm going through, I'm like playing with the buttons, pressing the buttons to make the cannons go off. It's so nice. All of a sudden you get to the end and it's talking about automated recommendations. It's like choose an option and you can decide to apply the recommendation, dismiss the recommendation, or press dismiss, I'll take care of it manually. (laughs) And I'm sitting there like, I've spent 10 minutes like firing off cannons. And I think (laughs) if I press apply recommendation, it's gonna do it live in my account. Like I really think, I worry it might have.
2: Oh my gosh.
1: That's like the vibe I got. It's like all fun and games and all of a sudden it's like, are you gonna take the recommendation? It was really scary. You could get 900 yeah. points, though, if you do that. should have done travel <laughs> Shep, case.
3: Just imagining Shep looking up like artillery compilation. <laughs> Need to relax. Yeah, Canon she wakes up, right all word. the cannons start
2: <laughs> firing, she falls right back to sleep.
1: Cannon isn't the right word. You got to check it out, okay? Just don't read anything. Just play with it. Okay, and we have a little tip from Christina in our Discord channel. She had a pop-up on her Facebook page today um, that she hadn't seen in the wild. Neither had I. And it says that they are adding a small business badge to your ads. And then she pressed learn more and basically just told her she could opt out if she wanted to. So that's great. And finally here in paid, Mike Ryan is back with his Q3 benchmark report. He says, big picture. He's impressed with what e advertisers achieved year over year and hopeful for Q4 besides ship again I didn't I hadn't heard that term before. Oh, really? It's so terrifying. We have a Geddon Geddon problem. Okay. Everything's a Geddon. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like it's just, we lost Geddons out there. You gotta get it while the Geddon's good. Ugh. So we will <laughs> link the full report in Discord and it's free for the price of your email address. So can't beat can't beat that. Thanks, Mike. What's happening in organic?
2: All right. First off from Adrienne Porter Felt on Twitter from the Chrome team. She says, Starting today, we're experimenting on Chrome stable with a following feature. So you can choose websites to follow, and their RSS updates will appear on Chrome's. New tab page. We've been working on this for a while and I'm super excited to hear what people think. I dig this. It seems like it's a much more customizable way for some of that discover content out there. So maybe it'll help people get more used to it or using it. And then I also, I'm a huge Adrian fan here because she says like right after the tweet, she goes, and a cookie to the first person who says Google Reader, which, you know, is no more, no longer with us all right and now it's time for it's time for barry's charts with
0: greg i love who's saying that
1: <laughs>
3: i don't know
2: just, someone okay? it was Greg. Okay? it's okay. debatable it was Greg. it's debatable anyway
1: uh, wait i would be more mad about this intro that you literally <laughs> paid money on when we don't have an advertiser right now At least the people can hear it, unlike your dumb chart segment that they can't even (laughs) see, because everyone listens on Spotify. Listen, this
2: came out of my own pocket. I would never charge this to the company, so don't worry about that. And let's worry about what's happening with the search results, because Barry goes on to say there were some signs of a possible Google search ranking algorithm update. The touchdown on October 6th spiked a bit more on October 7th and is fizzling out today, and I believe that was on the 8th. That's so not confirmed, so it's hard to say what this update was about or if it was just specific niches or something else. And we had a lot of charts. These charts weren't as good as last week, um, mm-hmm. but there was a clear winner, and it's SEO Moses' charts because I'm worried about them. We talked to, they had a fever last week, <laughs> and looking at the charts, they fluctuate usually from about 80, not, 80 to 101. And this is Nick Lachey style, 89 degrees <laughs> yeah. during this period. degrees. <laughs> And it's my everything. So I do cherish you, Mo's cast. (laughs) Winning this game is the hardest thing, but thank God I found you in your charts. And that was Barry's Charts with Greg, an audio program about visual charts. All right, next up from Glenn Gabe and Barry Schwartz on Twitter. They say the bigger news, well, there's new rotating 3D images directly in search. And Glenn goes to add a little bit more. He says, the bigger news, IMO, is that Google's providing more 3D AR products in the SERPs ahead of holiday season. You didn't say just in time for the holiday season. How dare you, Glenn? And he says, I can reproduce this and it could be very important for this year's holiday shopping season if it keeps expanding. Big heads up for e-com people. All right, next up uh, about Microsoft Smart Pages. You probably don't use that, so who cares? We'll just go here here quick. It's a free service, and now you don't need any social or advertising tools required. You can just set up a website. Pretty cool. Before you had to have, I I believe, the social and advertising stuff. But Carolyn Leiden has a great article over in Search Engine Land if you want to go check it out. All right, Google has also published two new help documents on how to control your title links in search. And yes, that is a new term, title links. It used to be web titles and now they're calling them title links is the title of a search result in Google search and other properties, for example, Google News, that links to the web page.
1: I kind of like it though because it is linked. It's Mm -hmm. much better
2: than web title, which is like, Title tag, and I don't know, just too much. And then they say that there's a few different things like the content in your title elements, uh, the main visual title or headline on a page, a bunch more. Go check it out. Community.marketingclock or sign up for a newsletter at marketingclackcom forward slash newsletter. And up next in YouTube news, they are now making automatic captions for live streams in English language available for all creators up until now. Those captions have been only for channels with over a 1,000 subscribers, and even then the access was limited, so you now have full access. And they're expanding subtitle translation options to mobile, which is cool. Um, And finally, they're making video transcripts searchable, enabling users to find specific segments of video clips based on the caption text, which is...
1: Awesome. Yeah, but good luck transcribing you at the speed you're speaking right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like the Micro Machines guy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And next up for the Wonder Down Underwood, Brody Clark at Brody SEO on Twitter. He says, a test where YouTube video content is more engaging in Google search results. Hovering over a video starts a preview on desktop, normal, with the video then becoming larger, including the description. Test. It's really cool. Go check it out over on BrodyClark.com. You hover over the video and it gets much bigger. So, like if you got good really work on the titles, descriptions, and you know, start your video well. Unlike us. <laughs> we have a long intro. <laughs> People don't like it. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> Next up from Barry Schwartz on Search Engine Roundtable, the Google Performance Report from News Page Experience Filter is changed on September 13th. You'll see an a notation or annotation in your Um, Search console, so check it out, and the numbers might look a little bit different. Wait, what's that? Oh my, what a nice little treat for the listeners. Folks, I've been informed again. It's time for Barry's Charts with
1: Greg. The segment twice.
2: I kind of like it. It's the news.
1: This is bordering on egregious.
2: Barry Schwartz on October 11th said yet another Google weekend search ranking algorithm update. And he says, at some point, I should just report when there's not a Google search ranking update on the weekend. Because it seems like every weekend tracking tool spike in SEO chatter increases around some sort of update. Take it up with Barry. Not me, Shaq. I will. So I couldn't see anything in these charts. This is one of those you need Barry's x-ray vision. But... Uh, Much like Peter Gallagher in the 1995 classic, While You Were Sleeping, the cognitive SEO chart just flatlined on the six and never recovered.
1: I haven't seen that yet. I just don't know what any of these things mean. (laughs) And I'm looking at the chart, so I can't imagine what the people listening mean.
2: Bill Pullman? You know, RIP? The
0: president of the United
1: States of America and Casper's
0: dad.
2: (laughs) Anyway, they're literally full- Three full days of red charts, and there was no Sandy Bullock in sight to roll it off the tracks. So congrats to Cognitive SEO. This has been Barry's Charts with Greg, an audio program about visual charts. And next up is an unnecessary tool called FrightGuys.withGoogle.com that shows trending Halloween costumes and is way overproduced. But at the same time that this rolled out, I went over to Google Ad Support. And some support options may be temporarily unavailable or delayed due to precautionary measures to protect our support specialists mm. in light of COVID-19. It's
1: too bad that they don't have more time.
2: Yeah, I know. This Nobody wants pretty. Fright Guys. And it's fake. You know it's fake because there's... I'll get to it in a minute. But well, what are y'all going to be as going for as Halloween.
1: Um, I think me and my husband are going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi and um, Anakin Skywalker. That's
2: excellent. Love that.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> Live
2: long and prosper.
3: I
1: want- <laughs> what about you, Caleb?
3: Uh, me and my girlfriend are dressing up as ketchup and mustard. Uh,
2: <laughs> which
3: one of you got the short under the stick and got the ketchup? Oh, I love ketchup. Uh, get what out are, of are here. you talking uh, about?
2: No, Heinz for
3: like
0: better 57
2: varieties. Well, what about you, Jess.
0: I'm just going to wear black and put on my witch hat. Like oh. I do every year. All you
2: need is a witch hat because you're already in <laughs> black. Well, Our, what are you going to wear? I was going to go as sexy goofy. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm horrified.
1: No but I that's go. how you know the
2: fright guys isn't real. There's not one thing about like a sexy this or that. That's what all the costumes Nobody's are.
1: Nobody's going to watch the YouTube now.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, my backup plan
1: will.
2: is just going as... I'm gonna. I want to go. Is Matthew Lillard from Thirteen Ghosts? Yes. But I'll just. I'll just be Matthew Lillard if you don't get the Thirteen <laughs> Ghosts reference. <laughs> All right. Lastly, in a day in the life of Power Listener News, Hillary Quinn. It was featured over on SEM Rush's Twitter. So if you want to see what a day in her life is. She's like so put together too. Like everything looks cool and she's drinking decaf drinker and all that stuff. She's putting headphones on. I just imagine she's listening to Marketing Clock, but go check it out over (laughs) on Sam Marshall's Twitter.
0: All right. First up in social this week, there are some new features in the works for Twitter Blue, which you know is that subscription service without an edit tweet button that they're piloting. So John Henshaw at CoyWolf, that's at CoyWolf on Twitter, broke the news last week that Twitter Blue's ad-free articles was to replace Scroll's ad-free reading experience. So this is according to an email that Scroll sent out to their subscribers stating that as part of our acquisition by Twitter, Scroll's ad-free reading experience will eventually become ad-free articles as part of Twitter Blue. They then went on to say that they're going to shut down Scroll as an independent service in approximately 30 days. So that comes along with some other new features that were discovered by Alessandro Paluzzi. 30 days. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween. Those other features include a top articles feature, the ability to customize navigation tabs, longer video uploads, and early access to new features. So this is still not available in the U.S., but if they keep it at the same price that it currently is where they are piloting it, I believe it's Canada and Australia, it's about $3 U.S. dollars. I don't know if it's worth it even with these new features because I don't use Twitter, but it's better than just custom colors and dedicated support. I don't know if you guys would pay for this or no, not. I, don't, <laughs> I won't pay for anything. <laughs> you will or you won't? Nothing. Yeah, Not even three bucks. <laughs> nobody asked for any of these things. All right. <laughs> Speaking of things nobody asked for, from Alexandru Voica the... EMEA Techcoms for Facebook covering innovation in AI, peanut butter, open source maple syrup, sustainability, guns and roses, and Facebook apps.
1: Wait. That's what? his Twitter
0: bio. <laughs> he works for Facebook. A lot of
3: innovation's happening in maple syrup these days.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna start making it from other kinds of trees now.
3: <laughs> start- <laughs> Birch
2: syrup. <laughs> oh!
0: <laughs> it's just really flaky, thin. <laughs> Toilet tree, sir. <syrup. laughs> uh, is that a tree? You just need more points. Back to marker <laughs> uh anyway, I'm not even gonna read the tweet. I, they apparently on Instagram they're combining IGTV and feed videos into one format, and you'll get a new tab for that. I, I don't care. So
1: it sounds like we're getting rid of IGTV. Yeah, it's a yeah. video now. Yeah,
0: yeah. it's <laughs> thank you, Captain's obvious. Okay.
2: So stupid. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, I'm just going to keep reading tweets here. Here's one from at Twitter support. The option to remove a follower is now rolling out to everyone on web.
2: I removed you all.
0: <gasps> I didn't notice. See ya. <laughs> oh, you can't get the
2: good tweets anymore.
0: I will if you tag me. I still won't get them. Um, as a reminder, this option does allow you to remove followers without actually blocking them. So it's, it's a softer touch. I'm just gonna
2: remove people and get mad at them. What? Casey Gillette, I'm a remover. But Casey, why did you remove me? You're the pride of Ava.
5: Why would
2: you do that, Casey? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't do it. You just wanted <laughs> the
5: same funny. name. <laughs> but pride like, would people Emma. like
2: actually think that like you would just stop following somebody? Like,
0: I would not notice, and I'm I'm not even like that's not even a joke. I would not notice on the platforms that I'm active on if someone removed me. And I, I would
2: never notice. remove Casey. We're Casey. We're Casey Stan podcast.
0: Yeah, I ship that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Three sling points.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here's something handy that Rand can cite from Nahe at Nahe on Twitter. He tweeted the sideways eyes emoji and a screenshot of a notification he saw on Twitter. It says, we're testing downvoting on replies. It's not public or visible to the author. It will just help us understand what people think is valuable to the conversation.
2: I like it. Some tweets stink. I shouldn't be shown. Also, well, What about
1: I, upvoting? Oh, you that's mean like likes? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> also, can, I have a move that I don't know if I've talked about before, but I think it's like an original move here where if I tweet something, I want it to be known as the fin, right? Where you have something you tweeted, you like your own tweet, which is mm-hmm. dirty in and of itself, yeah. and then you retweet it a day later. So you like and retweet your own tweet, that's a fin.
0: Have you done this? I
2: just did it today. I felt really disgusting.
1: What was the tweet?
2: Was it worth it? it was about, yeah, it was. Barry had a tweet about um, Squid Games and so, said, yeah, It was a do, good tweet. Somebody <laughs> should do Squid Games SEO or game or something like that, is what he said. So then I retweeted and I said, Google is already, I did a quote tweet and I said, Google is already playing the game with us one vertical at a time.
1: Me and Jess aren't watching, so we don't get we it. I
2: don't get it.
0: Well, yes, it's a so good we. tweet. Good for you. All right, let's stick with what Twitter is up to. From 9to5Mac, the bird is apparently working on a Spaces tab for the web interface. This is in addition to the tests they're already doing on mobile, as well as the ability for users to subscribe to newsletters from within Twitter without having to go to their email and confirm the subscription first, which is nice for people that like to neglect their inbox. Do you guys want to guess how many unread emails I have since the time I deleted everything?
1: Oh, my gosh. I hope zero. I've left it alone keeping it zero? Why would you do that? 454
0: three
3: sixty two
0: how many three sixty two
1: Shot. one thousand and two
0: you all got the under on that one two thousand and eighty eight at time of press
1: see you know how it works
0: <laughs> how do often? Do you,
1: yeah how often
3: do you clear it out
0: one time ever like a month ago <laughs> yeah that'll do it <laughs> Okay, here's the headline. Facebook launches an audio hub in the US for podcasts, live audio, and short form clips. We all know what a podcast is, and live audio is the Clubhouse Twitter Spaces feature Facebook is working on. This is from TechCrunch. They noted that the short form audio, which is beginning to roll out now, is called Sound Bites, and it's a sort of TikTok for audio offerings. Uh, I don't understand I don't like what that means. This is weird. What I, I really do not. And if you want to find out for yourself, you can find the new audio hub under watch in Facebook's nav, oh, which is super intuitive. Yeah. Can't
2: wait yeah. to listen to the new Vinny Hacker audio.
0: Nobody knows what that means, right? <laughs> hey,
3: we could send around the, uh, the chart song using this, right?
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> it. The that's only that's it. It's a text meme. It's oh, dang. People <laughs> are going <laughs> to love it.
2: I'm it's telling audio. you right now. Yeah. FB stack bye bye. bye. <laughs> Chats are coming, baby. based on it.
0: Was that a Nick Lachey reference too? Bye bye bye? Yes. What? <laughs> That's in sync. And so am I. You people are with so uncultured.
1: <laughs> I can't.
0: Alright, if you need a hand being more inclusive with your copy, LinkedIn has published the inclusive language for marketers, a pocket guide. And this is important, I think, just because in general, human beings, right? But if you need numbers, a recent report from Facebook found that only 41% of consumers feel represented in the ads that they see. So this could be really helpful for you to go after the rest of whatever 100 minus 41 is. And the guide looks at obvious things like saying you guys, but also more hidden or less obvious things like being grandfathered in. So it's just very thought-provoking and it's totally free. So pass it along to your copywriters, no harm in that. Next up from Fast Company... Facebook and Instagram are designed to consume our time and attention, but it is increasingly clear that this is damaging to our mental health, privacy, and democracy. That's an exact quote, and I will now paraphrase. There is a new social network called Minus that mimics Facebook, but really discourages engagement. You get 100 posts ever for your entire life. All right, I just told you to buy, buy, buy Facebook. (laughs) Sell, sell, sell Minus. (laughs) You know what
2: they named it after? How much money their investors are gonna have. <laughs> Why
0: so would anyone do this? Well, it is from a professor, an artist and professor at the University of Illinois, oh. and it's just a statement. Like I don't think anybody thinks this is gonna make any money. And I love fighting the establishment, so hail Satan. I'm in. <laughs> That's so stupid. That's really dumb. It's good writing though. I'm
2: gonna make one that only allows you to have one post. So I'm gonna beat that. <laughs>
0: The amount it's that called non-plus. Non-plus. Anyway. <laughs> there we go. I can't deal with the guys. Minus plus. Oh, okay, we're almost there. Next up from tech. Crunch. Reddit has hired Polly Bot, the former vice president of product and design at Google Cloud, as the company's first chief product officer. He will report directly to Reddit's CEO, who did say as part of our leadership team, he'll build on our critical work to offer new ways for people to contribute to endless conversation and encourage authentic human connection. What
2: a terrible job to walk into. (laughs) You walk into Reddit and you look at it and you're like, huh, 50% of the content on my site is porn. Huh. <laughs> like, how are you going to do it? Like, what are you going to do?
0: Well, the other half is like, thanks, I hate it. So it's a good place to be. I, so. I say thanks, I love it. I'm good luck, Mr. Do. Hoffman. That's
2: yeah. like Melissa Mayer and Tumblr. It just took, got rid of the porn and got rid of Tumblr.
3: That's oh, true. Tumblr.
0: <laughs> oh, okay.
3: Tumblr is non existent. It's, it's ridiculous. Literally does not exist. <laughs> Doesn't it's, it's gone away. Just, no one has any further use. Of
0: it. <laughs> all right. Here's some short form audio news on t- <laughs> on Twitter. You can start a space and invite people via DM directly to come in. So that's exciting. Get all the vampires. Julie. What?
2: You can now do that.
0: You have to invite. Yeah, you have to invite vampires in, chef oh right they can't just join your space that's common vampire knowledge and tis the season (laughs) 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 also on the facebook side this is from the peanut butter guy too today we are now excited to be rolling out live audio rooms to public figures and creators globally as well as to groups around the world and then he's got a whole thread of all the details so you can read that in your spare time Snapchat has new resources to support mental health of its users. They are celebrating World Mental Health Awareness Day by launching Club Unity, which is a new board of young leaders that unites today's leading many different types of jobs. Basically, all the Gen Z voices empowering them to address the generation's most critical topics. And they also have a new suite of resources in the Here for You tab. So if you need help and you use Snap, go there, get some help, do good. Next from Matt Navarra at Matt Navarra on Twitter. Twitter's search users tweets button on profiles is
1: now available for some users. Oh my gosh. This will be life changing for me. Really? You could
2: just put the name of the person in and then that and search. But I saw people saying, let the cancel games begin.
0: Oh. (laughs) Oh. Don't use this for evil. Use this for good. Well, I
2: mean, if people are being inappropriate, it's an easier way to surface it. Don't be inappropriate. How about that?
0: Fair enough. It's really hard for some people. Yeah. They Some of be, us don't need it. They should get out of here then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Lastly here, shoppers on Pinterest have 85% bigger baskets than shoppers on other platforms, and they spend twice as much per month. And there's a citation for that stat. So if you're in e-commerce, listen up, pup. New things are coming to Pinterest to help you encourage that bigger basket behavior. For one, you can now let people know more about your business and what you stand for. Merchant details will let you display brand values like being responsibly sourced, invested in good, inclusive. You can highlight communities such as being black owned or disability owned and more. Pinterest has also expanded its verified merchant program to include more countries. so You can help build trust in those areas. This is another hashtag team paid crossover, but there are some ads updates as well. Some new formats, which they didn't really get into at length in their announcement, but slideshow for collections sounds like something auto-generated so be careful with that but it automatically pulls products from your catalog into attention grabbing collections ads they call it a lightweight hero video but it's an ad and then they also are launching idea ads with paid partnership which is a new format That is a joint partnership between creators and advertisers. The creator makes an idea pin and then tags the brand partner who can then turn it into an ad. So things to look out for if you're working with a creator or if you're just doing any kind of e-commerce on Pinterest.
3: And that brings us to our real life segment. Straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for working hard or hardly working.
1: I just had a thought with campaign experiments. They make it, if you change the budget in the original campaign, it changes it in the experiment campaign. I think you should be able to say, this is what I'm testing. Everything else, if I change it in the original, I want it in the other. Because if you're testing like ads or something and you're using manual bidding, it's not that hard. They're doing it with the budget. They should do it with everything. That's what I've got this week. Greg?
2: And for me, we have uh, one client where it's B2B, uh, a SaaS client, and, you know, And for me, we have one client's B two B SaaS client, and we're working on the quality of leads, making sure they're the right folks. And we're splitting off people that might be partners and all that. And just one good thing, like look at all the leads coming through. Look at what's marketing qualified. Look at what sales qualified. Look at the um, overall opportunities in the pipeline there, not just the resultingness of deals. Right? Like we can only do so much as marketers, and you know we've got this one client that we're trying to just showcase. Everything within the sales process and doing that showcasing, explaining, and informing is helping. So even when you have problems with closing the deal, doesn't mean you can't inform and educate folks.
0: So I love Google Ads experiments. You use them all the time. But my least favorite thing is that to look at the control versus the experiment, you have to hover over the metric to see the numbers. And a recently launched Microsoft Experiment and they just have such a nice visualization. They just put the numbers next to each other. You don't have to hover. It's just way better for like a quick screenshot rather than making a GIF for a client. Oh so my God. thank you, Microsoft. Maybe Google should align to what they're doing. Well, they yeah. made
2: that cool Canon thing in the Frightmares. They got that going.
0: <laughs> Sexy Goofy doesn't care about your data. <laughs> but I do.
3: And now for this week's Cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners. And is really, really cool.
0: This week's cool tool is the color blindness Simulator from Cole Blinder. The tool allows you to upload an image and view it from the perspective of various types of color vision deficiencies. It algorithmically transforms any picture into the same picture as seen by red, green, blue, or completely colorblind people. It's a really, really handy tool and is super easy to use. It's good for accessibility audits or just a quick check if you've got some new assets. We'll link to it in our newsletter and on Discord, so pick your poison and check it out.
3: And now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week, an article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show.
2: And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from Glenn Gabe from G-Squared Interactive on... The internet, and he says, "What <laughs> happens to crawling in Google search rankings when 67% of a site's indexed URLs are pagination? An SEO case study." And Glenn goes on to talk about Google's stance on handling pagination over the years, uh, when they nuked the uh, rel next and pre- previous or prev. Uh, what Google's John Mueller peppered was peppered with questions about on pagination and all the important parts that you need to know and even though I can't talk you better be able to read because he covers it all including final tips and recommendations for sites with a lot of pagination so we appreciate it head on over to gsqi.com go to the blog and read away and just one big thanks we're still shipping some things out everything should be shipped we've been you know um, let's just blame it on the supply chain it's all coming away it'll be all be shipped out this week And then also thank you to everybody that shares these episodes. There's so much time that goes into them and sharing that or getting somebody else hooked on us. It means the world to us. So we really appreciate it. And again, thank you Glenn for that awesome must read marketing article this week.
1: All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not marketing o'clock. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week.
3: Thanks for listening to this week's marketing o'clock. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com slash newsletter to receive every single article we covered. We share the news as it breaks in our Discord community. Head over to community.marketingoclock.com to join. And we'll see you next
2: week.
1: Welcome to this week's shooting the hacker We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just
2: Shoot the Hack.
1: This is Greg's favorite game. Nobody else really cares for it. I mean, I kinda like it. The rules are a little fuzzy, but he gives us two options of people to travel with, and we pick one, and we're always wrong. So we're ready. No. Okay. There
2: are answers in the notes right here. Okay. And Shop, quick, you something just- <laughs> yeah. yeah, Cheap. Okay, so travel buddies. Are you traveling the globe with somebody that got perfect attendance in school? somebody that had perfect grades. Ooh.
0: This is good. I'm
3: going to go attendance as well.
0: Why?
1: They're not going to be late for the plane.
3: They're going to be on time, and they will do whatever it takes to make it to, like, whatever event. Rain, shine. It's popular
1: opinion anyway, so we'll just go with that.
2: You're going with attendance, correct? Final answer, Shep. Sure. Okay. Now, Caleb was really good last week. And unfortunately, he did not bring it in this week because- People with perfect attendance will go anywhere, anytime, even when sick. And this is COVID times. This person is going to infect you and infect everybody and bring deltas Mm -hmm. to upsalons to epsilons. It's going to be a disaster.
6: (laughs) If it wasn't COVID times,
2: maybe, but no, wrong answer. They
1: didn't have perfect attendance in COVID necessarily.
0: Yeah, and also people with perfect grades are only going to go to places that have like five-star reviews on Yelp, and I don't have time to do that research.
2: Mm. Um, The mm. answer's here. Sorry. You're on. <laughs> I was going to
3: say, I don't think you're going to change Greg's <laughs> mind. <All> right, next
0: <laughs> up,
2: are you traveling with somebody that is an adult that wears <laughs> velcro shoes versus an adult I don't that,
1: care the other option. that wears
2: <laughs> tearaway pants?
1: Oh my tearaway God! Tearaway pants? So would you pants. ask, Greg, isn't and that you? you? The two are very often the same. There's a big overlap there, Okay. You have to pick. This is absurd. This one's hard.
3: You have to pick. I don't want to travel either (laughs) one of these.
1: No, the tearaway pants person is fun. Velcro shoes—they're kind of having a comeback a little bit. Not for me. Velcro shoes or tearaway pants. I'm going with Velcro shoes because I don't want to travel with you. <laughs> no.
6: That was
3: weird.
2: So wait.
3: What was it? Say that again.
1: I'm going with Velcro shoes because I don't want to travel with Greg. Have you know, ever seen Greg pants? in tearaway pants? Greg is wearing tearaway pants, pants right just- now. Oh, there's a difference? Not the zippy one. <laughs> Not convertible
0: tearaway. pants. Tearaway all day. Tearaway mm-hmm. is magic mite. I'll
2: go tearaway. Okay. <laughs> While you would think it might be tear away, you're actually incorrect because the person that wears Velcro shoes, again, let's just say there's no no underlying issue that you have Velcro shoes, they're just lazy. That's a lazy way. You're like, oh, I don't want to tie my shoes. And then that's what you're going to be like. You're going to have to do all the planning, all the driving, all the picking of restaurants, everything. You're going to pay, you're gonna have to do everything just because the other person's lazy. Now, the tearaway pants person might get you in trouble. You might go into jail for a night when it tears away the pants at yep. the restaurant. Yep. But either way, it's a fun time. You're not
1: doing all the work. <laughs> so this begs at the point? question, yeah. though. Greg, what you age... accidentally called this right. Since, <laughs> yeah, we just got, got a point.
3: Point. But Greg, what age is, is like inappropriate to wear Velcro shoes? Like,
2: when do you stop?
3: Because you said adult.
0: age it's inappropriate to wear tearaway pants. I think <laughs> when you're younger, it's your <laughs> because you need to learn how to tie well, your Velcro's shoes.
2: Like, diapers you wear them to a certain point you stop and then you get back into them you know yeah, my
0: father-in-law just this weekend said he wished he could find velcro shoes i'm so That's glad he doesn't listen to the show
2: all right all right and this one's gonna be a little uh, we can't do this one
1: <laughs> please keep, it. It. keep that, that in
0: keep that in that'll be on
2: our premium channel yeah. are you going on vacation with somebody that calls a stimulus check a stimmy? <laughs> Who does that? Or are you going on vacation with somebody that calls blue cheese blooch? No!
0: Oh, stimmy. We are we, not this, traveling. The, Did the, you know the, I call it blooch? No, you don't. Yes, stimmy. I do. Stimmy. Shut Blooch. Don't <laughs> say that word. <laughs> I call it blooch.
3: Stimmy. 100%. The stimmy guy is yeah, just this, like Jimmy. fun. He knows, you know, he's like take serious stuff and make it like, you know, Relatable and cool. Stimmy, 100%. I'm stimmy guy, by the way.
2: Um, I'm sorry you're incorrect because blooch is fun <laughs> no, to say. No. And you're 0 for 3. I'm sorry, but what a rousing game. I have to bleep that. <laughs> don't don't bleep it. Wait, did you just rousing say a rousing game.
1: Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next week.